The Make My Damn Movie Podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion advised. I'm Mark Reynolds. And I'm Tom Swain. And we talk about the film and entertainment industry, focusing on screenwriting as we spotlight seven original screenplays. Mm-hmm. And today, this is our special episode. We've never done a special episode. Yeah. It's kind of exciting. Very special guest. Yes, a very special guest. Your cousin. Uh Uh-huh. Or something. Something Somehow he's related to you. We'll figure it out. Andrew Stevens. He's a writer. He's a producer. He's a director. He's an actor. He's an author. And we're going to talk about his books today. And we're going to bring him on just a couple of seconds. But this is going to be a special episode. Yes. And it's not uploaded on the normal day that we use as Wednesday. Right. Because we want to have him on for the whole show. And all I have to say is, he better be good. Mm -hmm. Or we won't air it. There you go. How's that? That's the miracle of podcasts. We don't know yet. So there's that. All right. We're going to bring on Andrew Stevens, writer, producer, director, actor, author, and son of legendary actress Stella Stevens. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Now, uh, you are related to Tom here. Uh Uh-huh. And he's just going with your cousins. Does that sound about right? <laughs> I I think so. Yes. Somewhere, yeah, somehow. Somewhere in there. So my grandfather, Henry Swain, would right. be uh, Stella Stevens' cousin. Uh, I remember pictures of him. He was a falconer, right? Yep. The peregrines that he flew. That's right. That, wow. That's what I recall. That's that's it. You got it. So there's your connection. That's the connection. And here we are. <laughs> so Andrew Stevens involved in over 175 motion pictures, including the hit comedy The Whole Nine Yards, which I own and love, and of course the cult classic Boondock Saints. And his it. films have generated, are you ready, over a billion dollars in worldwide revenue. So we're talking to the right guy here. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Also played Casey Denault on Dallas for two seasons. Mm -hmm. And I have to bring this up because of my wife. Landed on the cover of Tiger Beat magazine. (laughs) So Many times. We got to bring that up. So how was that? Must have been great, huh? Uh, You never really did a cover photo shoot. They just... Plaster whatever collage <laughs> like, oh, photos good. they happen to buy, or you know, <laughs> or buy from random photographers, and they would create collages, and you never really knew it until somebody shoved it in your face to sign. Oh wow, <laughs> nice! I'll take that though. I'd take that any day. Back then, no doubt about that. Now let's talk about this book, Screenwriting for Profit: Writing for the Global Marketplace. Got great reviews, by the way. Yes, I mean, Roger Corman, Jackie Collins, a bunch more. So it must be good. And most writers in the U.S. focus primarily on the U.S. market. And my question, and I've been wanting to ask this question, is this a big mistake focusing on the U.S. market? So the general rule of thumb is that 65% of the revenue of, you know, certainly independent films and often many studio films come from outside of North America. Uh, So often one will make a deal with a major distributor in Eastern Europe and they will buy uh, pen Eastern Europe. And so they can uh, ostensibly, if, if they're a bankable distributor, issue you a negotiable contract. Yeah. Going back, the, the foreword of my book was written by the great uh, writer and, and screenwriter Richard Christian Matheson, who uh, is 
the real deal, and he couldn't have been kinder in his assessment of what I teach because I don't teach theory. I teach the practical reality of the business right. from a screenwriting point of view. So now screenwriters that are just sitting down and lapping out a, a screenplay in a Starbucks, these are things that need to be running through their mind, correct? Not just, I got to write this screenplay. You need to be thinking big picture, correct? Well, the business is more difficult for non-conglomerate employees than it has ever been. Uh, the video boom of the 80s, which created this niche market uh, of, a, of distribution and or reuse of formerly film and theatrical distribution, then with the advent of TV, then uh, VHS cassettes spawned a whole new marketplace for straight made to video products, which created its own stars. And all of that went away. It gave way to DVD. Mm -hmm. revenue, uh, revenue share took over from the guarantees that the blockbusters and Hollywoods used to pay studios and or independents. Uh, if I made in the 90s or early 2000s a movie that did, was just a near miss, like a couple that come to mind, well, three that come to mind are The Confession with Alec Baldwin and Kingsley that didn't get the theatrical uh, release offer that I wanted. Murder of Crows with C Cuba Gooding Jr. and Tom Berenger oh, yeah. right after, right after Cuba Good. won the Oscar. And The Boondock Saints, which I was trying to sell right after Columbine hit about mm. two brothers in black trench coats Yikes. blowing people away, <laughs> wow. vigilante style. Uh, Blockbuster paid $3 million for the confession as a Blockbuster world premiere movie. Oh. Two or two and a half million dollars for the mur murder of crows. And people don't know this, but the Boondock Saints, which is a cult classic oh, yeah. for every, every high school and college uh, uh, male uh, pretty much for the last uh, 20 years, is it was a blockbuster VHS one year world premiere. What? So you yeah. <laughs> wow, dang, yeah. So, uh, and you know, royalties and or uh, net profits are pretty much like Sasquatch, everyone talks about them, but nobody ever sees them. <laughs> yeah, wow. So, uh, I saw on the Boondock Saints $750,000 in overage from Blockbuster in a one-year VHS cassette release. And after the year expired, I tried to sell them DD, and they said, now we're not in that business. No. So a mom-and-pop company bought the DVD rights for a song, held it until DVD matured, released it through Fox, and they did $30 million out of the box. Uh, yeah. So filmmakers and screenwriters <laughs> have, have to say, okay, there's no HBO and every new digital platform, with very rare exception, make all their own product. They used to buy 30 independent movies a year. HBO did. They buy zero. Wow. Same in, in lesser proportions with all the other uh, cable and now digital streaming platforms. And they have enormous budgets to develop and produce product that they can call an original. Uh, and acquisitions have really fallen by the wayside. Really? So that being said, what I teach, uh, you know, in general about filmmaking, but specific to screenwriting, is that I don't make kicks that I want because nobody did them. N nobody has my taste. Uh, so if you're a screenwriter and you think, oh, I've got this great idea, uh, which, you know, I've taught in colleges and I've created a, uh, a degree program at a, uh, at a college in Dallas, Texas, nobody cares what your good idea 
What I teach <laughs> is is that trend plus analysis profit. So what do you, what do I mean by trend? You research the trends in the markets. What is selling? Look at Screen International, the business of film online. Look at what's left of Redbox. Track the uh, uh, you know the the digital viewings. There was a movie over the weekend that was a low budget action film starring Ryan Phillippe, and it outrented uh, uh, Bill and Ted. Wow! So, wow! Uh, oh, and, and so if you, if you research the trend and you say, okay, what is selling globally, not just domestically, um, art, art films are difficult, mm -hmm. dramas are difficult. And I, and there's a caveat to all of this, which I'll address in a moment. But if, if one researches the trends that, okay, this is selling and it's selling in the major territory. So, but if you have a sale in Germany or if you have a sale in Japan, it's generally, uh, a great deal of money, uh, and and one sale in one of those territories can eclipse, you know, multiple sales in small territories. Mm -hmm. So we care most about the U.S. and Canada and the major international territories and what they are buying. Well, now it then, seems like everybody's focusing on China, 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 China. Yes, except China uh has a quota of the last i heard uh and i did a film two years ago with a chinese chinese partner but uh they have a quota of i believe at that time only 20 u.s made films a year really so so one of the stipulations in my chinese partnership was that the film we made had to be any country of origin other than the U.S. Oh. So I had to figure out a way collaboratively to make it a Canadian film to circumvent the uh, the U.S. quota cap. That so explains it, movies like The Meg. Yeah. So if you would, <laughs> if you but if you look at the pictures that are getting in China, so many. I, I mean, the majority are big. Chinese are uh, our big American conglomerate theatrical yeah. release pictures, right? Mm -hmm. And I went to, I spoke in Beijing uh, two years ago, January, uh, at the first Beijing International uh, Film and Technology Forum. And we had reps from, you know, Sunset Post Sound in LA, uh, uh, Dolby, uh, Aeroflex, Paramount, uh, on and on. And I was the only production guy there, hmm. but they all they all said, and we went to um, China Film Group to the government studios and the academies. They had the state of the art everything, and they showed us reels in 8K with the most amazing special effects. Jeez. But they're all made uh, based on either sci-fi in Chinese language with Chinese actors uh -huh. and or movies that are made on Chinese mythology. And they said, we want to make American style movie. And I said, you are making American style movie. You're just not making American movies in the English language that travel with a Chinese component that can appeal to a Chinese audience. Right. And I, I think that fell on deaf ears because <laughs> India, yeah. India makes more, more films than anywhere. Oh world. yeah. Bollywood but is they, crazy, but they don't travel. Because right. they don't appeal to an international audience. So people that are listening right now are really getting discouraged. <laughs> yeah. Because they're 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 screenwriting. Like I said, they're sitting in Starbucks I've in got LA. My dream, and my dream is right here well, in my script. Let me let me let me give you a 
and okay, the caveat, I'm going to accelerate the caveat. The caveat is if you want to make money. Uh -huh. So there are many people who have ideas that are completely non-commercial and or completely out of the mainstream or do not fit into any currently saleable niche that people just don't care. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I made one of those a couple of years ago with a guy who self-financed the movie and he wanted to tell his story. So if you have someone that in going knows that he may lose most and or all of his money <laughs> and and doesn't care because they just want to tell their story, then that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's but, a beautiful thing. And, and sadly, that beautiful thing translates into this is our last podcast. <laughs> no, 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 We're no, no, John. no, 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 no. So, no. so here's with, you know, the, and the business will change again, yep. but here's what the business really dictates right now. It dictates that screenwriters become businessmen as well. Mm, yes. so, for, so for instance, and actors as well, and I, I say that the same thing to actors and uh, uh, and certainly directors and producers, that people need to educate themselves on what is currently going on in the state of the <clears throat> worldwide uh, uh, film industry and not to just assume that, uh, you know, years ago when I was uh, an actor back in the 80s and 70s, 80s and into about 93 when I when I quit acting, um, is that there was respect for a resume. There was respect for what, uh, you know, for stardom, whether it was movie stardom and those movie stars waned and then moved into television, became television stars. Mm -hmm. Networks would never in a million years greenlight a series or a pilot without some sort of patriarchal or matriarchal star that audiences knew. That's and true. then you, yeah. you get around to the era of friends and you had six people nobody had ever heard of. Right. And TV started making its own stars. Daytime, all the patriarchal and matriarchal stars, you know, they've all either, either died off or whatever, but daytime makes its own stars because you see them every day. Yep. You get to know, you get to know them. And, and so it's, it's different today. And here's the second part of the analysis. So the you let's say we've identified it. We've said, okay, here's an action thriller trend that seems to be working and resonating. It's cast dependent, but if I get you know a B plus level cast, how can I? How much can I make my move? So first of all, in in my teaching, there are two components to your analysis. There's the creative analysis. So if if you're if you're uh, if you're going to build a spec house and you bought a piece of dirt in a neighborhood, you're going to consult with a trained professional in the form of a real estate agent. And now analogously in the movie business, it's a sales agent. And they're going to tell you what's selling in the marketplace, how quickly, for what price point and what's selling fastest, most and best. Is it, uh, you know, a transitional facade with two living areas, uh, two car attached garage right. and, and courtside countertops? Uh, and you're going to dissect that and you're going to say, OK, I now get the creative elements. So conversely, in Spain, Scandinavia, uh, Germany, uh, English speaking, Southeast Asia, what are they buying and what are those components 
that each territory requires. So, for instance, uh, I was developing years ago a movie called Crash Talk, and I wanted to pre-sell Japan. And my Japanese buyer said, oh, no, pre-sale impossible. And I said, why? I said, I know the Japanese market is very difficult because you don't pre-buy my product where everyone else does. Mm -hmm. And and I said, I said, what about this? What about that? And finally, I picked up a pen that was on uh, just a meeting room desk, and it had a little liquid window with a submarine. And I was playing with the submarine, and I said, do you like submarines? You have submarine, we buy. What he knew was the Japanese market wanted eye candy that at that time they could look at on a DVD box, and it appealed oh. to that market. So I made seven submarines, and they <laughs> every one of them. Jeez. Okay, But then I realized it wasn't just a submarine. It was military hardware. Uh -huh. I made air aircraft carriers, F-14 Tomcats, stealth fighters, stealth bombers, Apache helicopters. That doesn't uh, sound I cheap. <laughs> so, but I made, I made all of these movies. I made probably 30 or 40 what I called military hardware Holy action shit. films. And, and made them all for between a million five and a million eight. Oh, wow. wow. Because I raided every stock footage library uh, in yes. town and would write the movies mm -hmm. around the stock <laughs> footage. Wow. That's brilliant. Okay. okay. So, I, oh, so wow. but I, I identified a trend, but then I went to my next biggest territory, which was Germany. And mm. I said, I said, I've got an action movie on a submarine. What do you want? And they said, oh, no gratuitous violence, blood, go. Huh? Now, <laughs> be, because, now, I don't know if you've ever been to Germany, but you see house frows flouncing around naked and topless on primetime TV, but mm -hmm. you can't show a drop of blood or it puts you into late night. Late night revenues are a fraction of prime time, so there is no gratuitous violence, blood, or gore, particularly at that time, for any German presale, and they wanted a human drama element. Mm -hmm. And I said, fantastic. I said, you know, the, the lead guy is an ex-Navy SEAL. He's got a he's got a son. And uh, terrorists take over the submarine, and and they have the missiles pointed at Manhattan, where his his young son is waiting for dad to come home. And they said, oh, fantastic. Yikes. So then I go to my next biggest territory, Korea, at that time. And I said, what do you want? I got an action movie with, on a submarine. There's a hands-on martial arts. I said, fantastic. Ex-Navy SEAL, uh -huh. skilled in hand-to-hand -hand martial arts, <laughs> infiltrates the sub, fights stem to stern, takes over the sub <laughs> from the terrorists, saves the world. There right? you go. And then I sold it to, and I called my my American distributor, and I said, you know, who do you want for a straight-to-DVD movie? And they said, oh, we like that American ninja guy, Michael Dudikoff. Called oh, his yeah. agent, made him, made him an offer, made the film based on four territories and the rest of the world was profit. But the point from a screenwriting stand was doing due diligence, asking questions. Yeah. No is no is the beginning of the conversation. Right. Uh, and and trying to figure out often what other people intrinsically know, but they don't know how to articulate. And mm -hmm. and and then let's go to the financial analysis. The uh, what and back to the real estate analogy, what is that, you know, uh, four bedroom, three and a half bath, two living areas, two car attached garage, transitional house going to bring in the open market? Uh, what are your carry costs? What do you pay the buyers? What if there is a downturn in the marketplace? You factor in, you know, in some cases, 30, 40 percent of your worst case scenario and make it for less. Ah, OK. That's oh, yeah. always been so there 
in lies how screenwriters, if, you know, and I would suggest uh, if they're North American based, going to the American film market. And in the latter days of the film market, you know, hopefully post-COVID, there will be an actual and not a virtual market. Yeah. yeah. Going, going room to room because most sales agents have become uh, producers out of necessity. They're all That's true. the product. But they're not going to freaking read. They're not going to read some pie in the sky script script that's not commercial. That after four pages, you can even smell that you couldn't sell this thing in a million years, and or you know it's a hundred million dollar picture, and you know the global value is, is maybe nine hundred thousand. So mm. when writers educate themselves and educate themselves about the value of territories in today. And it'll change again. What is this picture worth? What could I possibly make it for? So movies that I was making for, you know, uh, $60 million 15, 20 years ago, they'd be, you know, 10 to 15 on a good day today. Oh. And, and pictures and pictures that I was making, uh, you know, for $6 million would be two and a half or less or under two today. Yeah. Uh, pictures, hmm. pictures that I used to make for a million five are 300,000 today. Wow. So because there just isn't a market. So we have a choice. Go find another profession and or, <laughs> and or adapt and survive. Yeah. And I've always been a master of adaptation, reinvention, and going to the work in the movie business, no matter at what level, is a respectable thing and getting a movie made work begets work begets work and i would encourage everyone to say okay i've got this picture yeah how can i make this film and transpose a high dollar sequence for the worst case market value less agency fees interest interest reserve etc you know, how can I take what's a million dollar global value and make it for 600,000? So I know I'm going to make a dollar. So, yeah, and that's what it's all it's about. All but, about but I have to, I, I have to pause here. I have to write something down here. That'll help me <laughs> make submarine movie. <laughs> okay. So, so that's the key. There. And everyone wow. listening, just pick up Andrew's book. Now, what is, is this one? DVD download film school series, foolproof film school? What is that? I read that there's a, a DVD download. Can anyone get that? Anyone can get it. It's on my website, andrewstevens.info. It's a uh, seven hours plus sample um, uh, rudimentary contracts from sales agency contracts to different writers deals, uh, directors, mm -hmm. chain, chain of title, etc. cetera. Uh, it's distilled from uh, the fully accredited college degree program that oh. I wrote for for uh, a college in Texas nice. uh, some some years ago. So I distilled it for the masses, uh, and it it basically teaches everything from my forty plus years of experience uh, with things that have gone right and things that have gone wrong, tricks of the trade, pitfalls to to look for, uh, but. But it also alludes to, and, and all these books do when, when discussing screenwriting, is learning how to write for a budget. And mm. learning, learning I, I had a writer turn in a script for me. I actually made the movie during COVID, uh, but I, I had to bail on, uh, on the first writer after the first draft because it was just so far afield and relying on texts and phone calls and FaceTimes and uh -huh. voicemails. And when you're doing a low-budget movie, not only is it a redundant device, but 
every little text bubble that we think is cute that we see in commonplace on screen now, that's that's an effect shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, true. <laughs> and and there are much more clever ways, uh, like night exterior on a on a twelve day low budget movie. Uh, you know, this was a, a little movie that will end up on on Lifetime, and uh, on but it was a twelve day uh, non union movie during COVID. Uh, mm. kind of a mi- minor miracle to get done. Yeah. And I wrapped a month ago and I got to deliver in six weeks. Wow. So, so, so it's, it's a, uh, it's a, a breakneck pace, but it was a deal. It was, you know, something to do. And, uh, my daughter was, uh, you know, the teenage co-star and it was, you know, it was a little fun piece of business, but the, the, the critical thing was that it was written for two major locations, a restaurant on a harbor on a big open lake and a house and you know we used multiple locations within the harbor and around the restaurant to open the picture up we had drones and boats in the water and stuff like that but out of 12 days nine days were in a, a gated two acre estate that we shot you know as much outdoors as possible because of covid right but but we were we were contained and that goes back to my books, even from from the, the late 80s, when I started writing, producing and directing is writing something around a, a central location because com- a company move, take time and cost money. Night right. exteriors take time and cost money. Uh, you know, with the advent of, of digital cameras and digital technology. It's not really cheaper. I mean, some of the lighting is easier and better and, and depth of field is, is greater than it used to be with film. Uh, you know, you, you give up a camera loader, but you buy a DIT person. Right. And, then you know, <clears throat> so people think, oh, it's cheaper. Well, anybody with a digital camera can go out and make a movie. Yes, and with, true. with the Internet, with the Internet, they can upload the movie. So the critical question is, if you do that, you know, even for a song and a dance, how do you rise above the clutter? Yeah, How it's all about you? distribution. Exactly, exactly. So I don't make a movie just to go make a movie. I make a movie if I have a purchase order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I try to make a movie to fulfill the purchase order and make make a modest profit with an additional upside. Otherwise, it's, it's not worth it. It isn't right? worth the time. Yeah. yeah. Now, you, a guy sitting around Starbucks writing a script, <laughs> if they, if they, well, you know something? I just, I just did that. Mm-hmm. I just wrote, I just wrote a script called A Hundred Dates in Dallas, uh, uh, commemorating my horrific dating experience <laughs> after, <laughs> after getting divorced from my kid's mom 11 years ago. And oh, it's, it's profane. It's irreverent. And, <laughs> and nobody in their right mind would make that movie or finance it. But it was cathartic for me, See? and and it makes people laugh and say, "Oh my God, this can't be true," but it is. So you know, I am crazy enough that if I had a couple hundred grand sitting around, I I might just make the movie <laughs> just, just just because I can. Wow. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. mean that doesn't mean I'm going to make a dollar. Uh-huh. It would it, it would just it, I I think it would just uh, in some way 
uh, assuage and or amuse me to, to just, just see it. Nothing car- wrong with that. Cathartic on your, from your standpoint. It would be a thing. Yeah. Exactly. And nothing wrong with that. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I, unless people are independently wealthy, I do not recommend that. No, 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 no. no. Bad idea. Bad idea. Andrew <laughs> Stevens, I want to thank you so much thank for you. taking the yeah. time to talk with us. A lot to absorb here. Yes. And uh, check out the book. Lots to learn. Uh, screenwriting for Profit, Writing for the Global Marketplace. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Take thank care. You. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to Andrew Stevens. That Thank was you. a lot to absorb. Yes. I mean, seriously, gave me a lot to think about, so I'll be not doing this anymore. <laughs> I learned something. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.